0: And some of you are thinking a lawyer can't be a missionary, right? I don't, you shouldn't think it. Okay. Well, good morning. Man, I've been upstairs in the uh, orientation class. It's packed. It's so exciting. And if you haven't signed up for one of those uh, uh, family church orientation class, please make sure you do that today. You want to be a part of that. Um, And it was neat. And I'm going to be back in there at the very end as well to wrap things up. So, um, well, thank you for being here. You know, if I'm honest, should I begin with a little confession? This morning it's so beautiful out and I come to church uh, through PGA National and I was driving along and I saw all these beautiful golf courses and I thought, wow, if I wasn't being paid to be here this morning, you know, I would go play golf. And I don't play golf. I mean, it just looks so nice. And so I appreciate you being here and not playing golf or setting your tee time up to uh, after uh, church today. Well, I'm also very excited about this new series we were talking about, living life on mission, getting on mission, being and doing the will of God. I think we all need to engage in the mission of God more. We need to live life on mission. Now, right before I came out, you remember, there was a, a clip that was on. And as you saw that clip, how did, you, how did that clip make you feel? What were you thinking, besides lawyers can't be missionaries, what were you thinking, and I'm just giving a lot of my lawyer friends a hard time, what, what were you thinking and feeling when you saw that clip? Would you, could you stand up and say, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I'm a missionary. I'm a school teacher, and I'm a missionary. I'm a janitor, and I'm a missionary. I'm a nuclear scientist, and I'm a missionary. A missionary, like an ambassador, is someone who is sent on a mission with a message. Can you say that with me? A missionary is someone who is on a mission Is that not up there? Okay. All right, let's let's say it together. You can we do it? A missionary is someone who is sent on a mission with a message. Kind of like Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent on a mission with a message. Jesus said, for the Son of Man, speaking of himself, speaking of his humanity and his deity, for the Son of Man came. He came with a mission. He came with a purpose. And what was the purpose? Let's read it together, can we? To, that means like read out loud, okay? To what? Seek and save the lost. Jesus was on a mission from God to seek and save the lost. God is a missional God, He is a sender by His very nature. You see, God designed the world and everything in it, including man, to be perfect and good. But something went very wrong. Adam and Eve, as a representation of all of us, chose to rebel against God and to depart from God's original design. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is departure from God's design. And sin leads to brokenness. And brokenness leads to more brokenness. So what does God do? God's a sender. God's a missionary. God sends his very own son to die for our sins. And we call that the, what do you call it? The gospel. It's the good news. It's the good news that God loved this world so much that he sent, he gave his one and only son. That whoever turns from their sins, repents of their sins, put their faith and trust in Him, they will have eternal life. They will be able to recover and pursue God's design. You see, God was the first missionary and He sent His Son on a mission to seek and to save a lost and a broken world. And get this. The lostness of man has been remedied by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We all can experience the forgiveness of our sin, but the brokenness of the world still remains. The world is not as it should be, is it? Right? I see your heads nodding. I mean, all you have to do is, is watch the evening news and you see that the world is not as it should be. It's it's broken. So Jesus now sends us into our broken worlds with the hope and the truth and the love of the gospel. After the resurrection, Jesus kind of gathered his followers together, you know, and they're kind of just freaking out and they can't believe it. And he said he was going to raise and he did raise, you know. He gathers them together and he says these words John chapter 20, verse 21 Peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you. See, just as God is a missional God because he's a sender by his very nature, Jesus is a missional Savior because he's a sender by his very nature. That's who he is. That's what he values He told his disciples on at least four different occasions that as they live their life, that as they go, they are to make disciples. They are to share the gospel. He's a sender. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He's sending you. He's sending me to proclaim and lovingly share the gospel. Now, for the last two weeks, Brent's been talking about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul said, we're what? What did he call us? I thought Brent did a good job. What did we talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Paul says, we're what? We're ambassadors. Thank you. We are ambassadors. We are missionaries. He's put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his, what's the word? His appeal through us. God making his message through us. God making his gospel through us. You see, we're all missionaries on a mission, a mission of God, a mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God loves each of us and is providing through Jesus the remedy for our rebellion and sin. Now, I really feel this morning, and I struggle with this this week, and I sincerely, genuinely meet this, that mean this, that I needed to this morning to begin by publicly apologizing. I really believe that I have failed you in this. As a church, over the last several years, we have drifted from the proclamation of the gospel to the demonstration of the gospel And maybe by the end of this message, you'll understand what that exactly means. But I am deeply sorry, and I take responsibility for that. You see, just as as God is a missional God, and Jesus is a missional Savior, the church, the bride of Christ, is a missional church. She is a sender by her very nature. That's what a church is. That's what a church does. We come together, we come together to worship, to learn, to be taught, and then we scatter, we go out, and we go out to proclaim the gospel, to seek and to save the lost, to share the good news. Now think with me, if we don't do that, who is going to do that? You know, there's a lot of great organizations out there, a lot of great non-for-profit organizations out there, but who's gonna do it? There's a lot of really great organizations out there with a mission to feed the poor. And God is, is, is compassionate towards the poor. There's great organizations out there that's talking about helping the brokenhearted by providing counseling. And, and God has a heart for the brokenhearted. And there's a lot of great organizations out there that are helping to develop a greater sense of community through the performing arts and through other community activity and events, and they're good. But if the church, if you and I don't proclaim the gospel, then who else is going to do it? That is our mission. That is our mandate to join Jesus Christ and his mission to seek and to save the lost, to be ambassadors, to be Christ missionaries. That's why we exist as Christians. That is, should be in our DNA. Now let me make it clear. A healthy biblical church always does both. We proclaim the gospel with our lips, and we demonstrate the gospel with our lives. We share the gospel, and we show the gospel. We share God's love, and we show God's love. I love that sound. I really do. I'm a grandfather. just happened. It's one week old, little Blake. I thought, maybe that's Blake. But he sounds a little older than Blake. But anyways, we'll talk more about that later. Um, now, where in the world are we? That's the, that's the problem with the little Blakes of the world. They definitely get your attention off. Um, we share the gospel and we what? Show the gospel. Wow, thank you for that. I love response. We share God's love and we? That's right. We show God's love. Now, to make my point, point, this is my point, and how I really believe that I have failed in training you and in teaching you how to share the gospel with your lips, let me ask you this question. How many of you this week have shared the gospel with your lips to someone who was far from God, they did not know who Jesus Christ was, and as a result of your testimony of of the gospel, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? How many of you did that? This week, can I see your hands? Wow, stand up, man. We got one guy, let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> awesome, dude! Two, all right, fantastic. Two among 200. What's that? One percent? I don't think I'm doing too good of a job. Now, let's let's be a little more inclusive how many of you made an attempt to share the gospel maybe you didn't get a response a green light saying i want to put my faith and trust in christ but you you made an attempt to share the gospel you sat down and shared with someone that they are a sinner and because of their sin uh, god's remedy is christ how many of you made an attempt a few more of you made an attempt see the sad truth is i haven't this week and you pay me to do it. I mean, shouldn't your pastor be about sharing the gospel? Shouldn't your pastors and staff be about sharing the gospel? I mean, that's the mandate, that's the mission, that's what the church is all about. You see, for honest, far too many of us, we've become a very consumer oriented church. It's all about me, it's all about my family, and what I want. It's not about him. It's not about living for his mission. It's about God existing for my mission. Now, I think I've done a pretty good job. That's kind of a pat on the back. Pretty good job teaching and training you on how to handle stress and how to deal with suffering and pain. And I think I've equipped you well in the importance of feeding your soul and beginning your days with God. And and I've done a good job helping you and building you up and and being a, a better husband or wife or how to build a better home. You know, we've done a lot of good things. But when it comes to training you to share the most important message in the world, I have failed you and I am sorry and I will do better and I'm asking you this morning to get your life on mission like I am getting mine. Not my mission, not the mission of Palm Beach Community Church and the mission of Family Church, the mission of Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost. See, the truth of the matter is most of us here, we call ourselves, consider ourselves to be a Christian, but yet we don't see ourselves as missionaries. We need to get back on mission. To be on mission, we need to be able to share the message, right? I mean, that's step number one. If we're going to be on the mission, if that's our mission, we've got to be able to share the message. Can you share the message? If someone asks you today, I want to become a Christian, how can I become one? Can you share the message? Can you share it well? We need to share our story. We need to share the gospel and how Christ has rescued us from our brokenness, from our sin. And I think the Apostle Paul does this so well. He shares it so well. This is our text this morning. It's coming from 1 John uh, chapter 1. Um, we're going to be studying this passage this morning. So if we can, just kind of in honor of God's word, if we can stand up. If you can find it on your uh, on your Bible or your or your laptop or your iPad or whatever you got there, your, um, I'm going to read verse one, and then I'd like for you guys to join in in reading verse three. Now this is John. This is First John. Uh, this is probably not a letter like people often think. This probably was a sermon he preached, and then he shared this this sermon compared to the Gospel of John. Um, and John says this: that which was from the beginning, which we have what's the word heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, what's the word of life? That's who? That's Jesus. And and the Gospel of John, which they read before they read the, the epistle of John, 1 John, it talks about Jesus being God incarnate, Jesus being the word, and how the word was God and the word was with God. He talked about the deity of Christ, so that's what he's referring to there. And then John kind of repeats himself here for emphasis in verse 3, and let's read verse 3 together, can we? That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. You may be seated. And as you are getting your seat, look at that passage in your Bible, and look at verses 1 through 3, and if you have an ESV version, you'll find that it's only... That's one long, giant sentence. In the Greek language, the original language of which the Bible is written, that's one long sentence all the way down to verse 5. It's one sentence. Um, and there's really one main verb. What do you think is the one main verb in these verses? We what? Seen, heard? No? Close? We proclaim. That's right. We proclaim to you. John is saying, Man, we've heard the gospel, we've seen the gospel, and now we proclaim, we share the gospel to you. John says, We have heard it. John heard the gospel. The message has come to man so that we can hear it, so that we can understand it, so that we can believe it. And get this this is real important. It's very confusing to a lot of us. Jesus was and is that message. Jesus preached the gospel, and he was the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, "We preach Christ," and often he used Christ interchangeably with the gospel, showing us that the message and the person are ultimately identical. Jesus preached the gospel, and Jesus is the gospel. Jesus preached, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the gospel. He is the way to the Father." Jesus, uh, John heard the gospel. And it's Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. And John heard it that very first time. Back in Matthew chapter 4, we read the story that John and his brother, you remember John's brother, what was John's brother's name? His name was James, John and James, the son of Zebedee, and they were fishermen. And Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, and he came up to two other brothers by the name of Peter and Andrew, and they were fishing. And then Jesus comes up, and he, he meets John and James, and he hears this word Matthew 4 19 follow me Jesus says and I'll make you what I'll make you what fishers of men and the text says James and John left their father they left their fishing business and they followed Jesus Jesus called John on a mission on a mission from God. Jesus called John on his same mission to seek and to save the lost, to be fishers of men. So John heard the gospel, John, and then he saw the gospel. He said, "What we have heard and what we have seen." Not only did he hear it, he saw it. Verse 1 says, "We have seen with our eyes. We've looked upon it. We've touched it with our hands." Now the word seen here comes from a common Greek verb which means to catch uh, sight of. And to look upon means to contemplate with a sense of wondering or bewilderment. John not only caught sight of Christ, but over a period of three years he carefully watched Jesus and he came to an understanding of who Jesus was. That Jesus was not just a great moral teacher or another rabbi or a prophet He was God incarnate, God in human flesh. He was and is the gospel. And John said he actually touched Jesus with his own hands. That Jesus was no mystic, he was no phantom, he was real. He was God's love personified. He was life, he was light, he was love, he was God. And John could see it. God. John could see it in the eyes of Jesus. John could see it in the way Jesus would respond to the brokenness of humanity. The way Jesus had compassion and grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Not only did he hear the gospel, he saw the gospel. He saw the gospel being lived out in the life of Jesus Christ and it changed him and it moved him. Not only did he see it, and hear it, he also proclaim it. He says, we proclaim to you. Verse 3, that which we have, what's the word? Seen and heard, we also proclaim to you. Now the word proclaim means to announce. It means to like report, uh, to give testimony. John gave testimony to what he saw and heard. How Jesus has the power to heal broken lives. And John couldn't stop talking about Jesus. His life had been so transformed and so touched, he, is, he saw the lives of so many people, lives touched and transformed, that John could not stop talking about Jesus. He could not stop talking about the gospel. It's kind of like me with my new grandson, Blake. Blake Raymond Underwood. I call him Mr. Blake. And I, I was there. I heard him cry. Had a really a very powerful experience. Um, Jackie ended up having to have a C-section. And so about 30 minutes after his birth, I was alone with Raymond, with Blake in the room. And I saw him cry. And I touched him. And every night I'd go by their house. They'd been so nice, you know. To hold him. And he is amazing. Every day he grows. And I'm telling you, he is the most perfect child ever born. <laughs> he is just amazing. The other day, th- uh, last night, Friday night, he rolled over. We're asking Siri. The kid's not even a week old. She says it has to be three months to roll over. I'm telling you, this kid is amazing. He, he's unbelievable. He's already rolling over. And I've never seen a kid like that. And I've been around a lot of little babies that consoles himself. You know, usually that, you know, at least, at least my kids were like that. I mean, the good news is, you know, he looks a lot like his father, Raymond, my son, uh, but he doesn't act like him at all, which is really good news. <laughs> and he really does. You know, when my kids were little, honest, you know, the nurse would come by, the doctor would come by, and what do they do all the time? They come by and they prick the little guy in the heel, you know, they want some blood. And they come by and plick Raymond or Philip or Janelle, and they would get so ripped off. I was going to say pissed off, shouldn't say that. They would get so mad. I mean, they would bone up. Sorry, kids. They would bone up, you know, and get just from head to toe bright red, and they would scream and holler, you know. I mean, for, for 30 minutes at least, saying, Why do you keep pricking me? You want me to let me get some sleep in this hospital? Just get out of here. How many times are you going to keep pricking me? You know, Blake, you prick him, and he, he cries a second, and then he kind of just consoles himself. He says, All right, life's good. I mean, it's amazing now. My, my, my uh, son and my daughter-in-law, they said he's not not being quite as consoling as he used to be. But he is just an amazing child. I mean, and he has hair just like his poppy. He's got a full head of hair, you know? Um, and I just can't quit talking about him. I've got all his pictures in my phone. Now I've got my son's pictures too. And i got my wife's pictures. I mean... I mean, you need to meet this kid. He is just incredible. I'm not exaggerating. It's just amazing. When was the last time that you were so excited about the gospel and about Jesus Christ that you couldn't help yourself to talk about him? When was the last time you shared when was the last time you kind of gave testimony to how Jesus Christ has healed your brokenness, and you're just so excited about the change that He's brought in your own heart, and the forgiveness and the peace that you've experienced that you 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 just want to talk about them? You know, it's amazing to me how we can you know we can talk to strangers on the airplane about the Miami Dolphins. You know, that's a sad thing. You know, and everyone in this church they're always talking about the New England Patriots. I don't know what it is. People are obsessed with New England or something or other. But we can talk to complete strangers about our passion, about our hobbies, but yet can we share the most important message in the world with them? I'm sorry. I haven't done a better job in training you to share the most important message in the world. And I hope you'll get on mission this year as I'm trying to get back on mission. I used to love sharing that, that message wherever I went all the time. We need to get back. And last week, I encouraged all of you to download that little app. Hopefully many of you did that. Me score some points in heaven if you did that. A uh, great little app. It's called the Three Circles. And the purpose of this app, and that's why I want you so bad to download it on your phone or your pad, is it's not just for you to see it, but it's designed to be a teaching tool to train you in effectively, clearly sharing the most important message in the world. And on the back of your notes towards the bottom, I want you to fill in those circles. We're going to watch this and take a minute, fill in the diagram as it goes. This is the three
1: circles. We live in a broken world, surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships, and broken systems. This brokenness is seen in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, and death around us. Brokenness leads us to search for a way to make life work. In contrast to this brokenness, we also see beauty, purpose, and evidence of design around us. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked perfectly, where everything and everyone fit together in harmony. God made each of us with a purpose, to worship Him and walk with Him. Life doesn't work when we ignore God and His original design for our lives. We selfishly insist on doing things our own way. The Bible calls this sin. We all sin and distort the original design. The consequence of our sin is separation from God in this life and for all of eternity. Sin leads to a place of brokenness. We see this all around us and in our own lives as well. When we realize life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. We tend to go in many directions, trying different things to figure it out on our own. Brokenness leads to a place of realizing a need for something greater. At this point, we need a remedy some good news. Because of His love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. Jesus came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame to the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by His death. Jesus was then raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We must admit our sinful brokenness and stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape this brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We must ask God to forgive us, turning from sin to trust only in Jesus. This is what it means to repent and believe. Believing, we receive new life through Jesus and God turns our lives in a new direction. When God restores our relationship to Him, we begin to discover meaning and purpose in a broken world. Now we can pursue God's design in all areas of our lives. Even when we fail, we understand God's pathway to be restored, the same good news of Jesus. God's Spirit empowers us to recover His design and assures us of His presence in this life and for all of eternity.
0: This is a great tool and all the information you need to download, it's there in your program. I hope you go home and do it. It's a great tool to help you share with others how Christ has dealt with the brokenness in your life and in their life for us. And maybe you're here this morning and if you're honest, you've got brokenness. And you're feeling the brokenness of your life. Brokenness leads to most bro- more brokenness. And it's our hope and our prayer this morning that you might receive the gospel, that you might receive Christ, that you might be honest with yourself and come to Christ in all faith and put your faith and trust in him and let him bring about the forgiveness of your sins. And to help restore you to God's purpose, to God's design. Can we bow our heads in prayer? And with our heads bowed, can you pray? Can you say, God, I need you? God, I need you. I've been broken by my rebellion, I've been broken by my sin. God, I need you, and I thank you for loving me and sending your son to die for my sins and to rise again. Can you pray this morning, God? I repent of my sins. I put my faith in your son to save me. And now can we all pray? Can we pray right now? Can you join me in praying and saying, God, send me. God, send me. As you've sent your son, so send me. God, help me get my life on mission. Send me. Send me to share with others the good news that there is a God out there that loves us, that pursues us, that wants more than anything else to be in relationship with us. God, send me. Can you pray that? Father, that's our prayer this morning. That we might not just know the message, but that we might share the message. God, send us. Help us to get on mission, your mission of seeking and saving the lost. Help us to to find joy and glory in you and to share your life transformation in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.